Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options. Uh, for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is Mediterranean chicken. Just before we go to uh, Jack Michaels, I got this guy wrote a really cool text that I wanted to hit on. So Jay has texted the show, and he says, Bob, I was 16 and I 1984 and lived through the Oilers' glory years. I partied on Jasper Avenue with the crowds after each cup win. But the miracle run of 0506 will always be my strongest memory. I was working as a manager of an internet cafe on HALMV Rindum sailing the Alaska run. I had to listen to Chad online via satellite. Every cruise, word would get out that I was listening to the game at work, and passengers from Edmonton would crowd around the internet cafe to listen. At one point, I had over 20 passengers who were listening, and the hotel manager even dispatched a waiter for our exclusive use. Uh, While I saw the glory years, Hemsky who, uh, again, officially retired today, will always be one of my favorite Oilers. That comes to us from Jay. Therein lies, that's that's the power of the medium. There's no question about that. As we bring aboard the play-by-play voice of uh, the uh, Edmonton Oilers, and that is Jack Michaels. Jack, how are you doing? I think it's safe to say Alish Hemsky would be on your list of favorite Oilers as well, Bob, at least certainly one of your favorite Oilers that doesn't get a great deal of recognition. If there was to be a documentary done on the 98-08 Edmonton Investors Group uh, Edmonton Oilers, I think Alish Hemsky is a player. Like, I know for that the generation, Jack, of fans that came to fall in love with the team in 06, they really liked Alish. And and here, here's, here's what conflicted a lot of perspectives in Alish out there. Alish did not practice in 55 minutes into a practice. 
but Alice brought it in the game. He went to the paint in games. And so some people said, well, he should do more. He should be better than he is. And others would say he's courageous and he's pretty good with what he gives you. Now, he, did, he didn't go looking for media attention. He wasn't. And, we hey, we all want players to talk to. But the fact of the matter was when the money was on the line in the game, he, he could, you know, he could deliver. By the time, unfortunately, you know, you, you came in 2010, his window where he was really sort of, in my mind, a top flight, top flight player was sort of 05 to about 2010. And then injuries kind of caught up to him. But remember, even when he went, got moved to, he got traded to Ottawa? He was pretty good after he went to Ottawa as well. Uh, for, well, uh, what, what enabled Alice and, and what could have enabled Alice to hang around even longer is if he is his speed and, and his ability to skate. Yeah. He never lost that ability. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of was re- reading the article about him, you know, in terms of covering that time period. And he was, he was very, you know, shy and demurred about his speed. But he was a guy who could keep up uh, at any level of hockey, uh, you know, and, and in any era. And that's what happens in today's game. If you can skate, you can, you can find a job. And I, I think Alice Shemsky – Unfortunately, you said it, Bob. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna wind up on a on a list of Oilers like Sean Horkoff, uh, to some extent Ryan Smith. Although I think Ryan Smith and Doug Waite, you know, achieve you know cult hero status here in Edmonton. But I think Hemsky, Horkoff, uh, to some extent Taylor Hall uh, and Jordan Eberle are, are going to be Oilers that that ultimately. Uh, may not get credit enough for being as good as they were simply because the team didn't have a great deal of success. Yeah, no, I, that's uh, completely fair. Uh, and by the way, in 05-06, you were in Alaska at that time, right? Absolutely. And uh, I I watched uh, with, you know, the, the Aces at that time, Bob, were on the same path the Oilers were, uh, went all the way to the finals. So, uh, you know, really, the, the, that was the only – the American Hockey League was long over, and those were the only two series going on for a full two weeks in the world of professional hockey. And the way it fell was it was kind of every other night. So I was able to watch that Edmonton-Carolina series very closely. Yeah, and hey, you lose in six or seven, it's a break either way. Like that's and, and in Edmonton's case, that break may have occurred in game one, right? Like well, you, you and, get... and absolutely, and I, I think the injury to Rolson, but also. I mean, you know, remember Rolson got you know hurt late in that game. The Oilers, if I correct me if I'm wrong, they were up three nothing in that they game. They were. And sometimes you lose a series, even if you lose the series in seven, you can lose it earlier in the series. I think the Oilers lost in 2017 in Game Five, and I think you're absolutely correct. And I'm not necessarily putting words in your mouth, but if you're insinuating that they might have lost that series in Game One, I, I'd be inclined to agree with you because. For two reasons, losing Rolison, but also losing a 3 nothing lead in a close series. Those kind of games come back to haunt you. Well, I mean, here's another illustration. You know, there were a lot of former winners, seven of them, on the 94 Ranger Championship team. And New Jersey lost Game 7 in overtime. But they'll tell you they lost the series in Game 6 when they're up 2 nothing at home. And, uh, you know, they allow the Rangers to come back, and then Messier gets the game tire game winner. And the Absolutely. Empty net, right? And, so those and, ca- and that was, you know, that would be the first of two series the, the Devils lost like that. They'll tell you, sure, they lost in game seven in Colorado, but going home in game six, uh, they had a chance to close it out. And, and, and you know, if, and if they do, Ray Bork never wins that elusive Stanley Cup. They lost a couple series like that. 
You know, it's interesting. Have you watched uh, any of the? And I know you've seen the highlights and stuff in the past. The the, the sort of '88 stuff. Have you? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And the Absolutely. Canada Cup. I mean, Did you watch the one Canada of the Cups? Things, Bob, that that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people forget. Obviously, you and I, you know, are, are you know have a stake in the history of the team. But you know, a lot of people out there don't realize that the Oilers, you know, didn't even win the '88 division title. I mean, you know, and and uh, just because of how dominant that team was in the postseason, and how they, you know, obviously took apart the Eastern Conference champs, and quite frankly, took apart the Calgary Flames. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I've I've enjoyed them immensely, and and really, I think uh, you know one of the more interesting comments we've seen coming out of these series is, as I'm sure you noticed, uh, when when Wayne Gretzky hinted that that '88 team and that playoff run may as you know may well have been the best hockey the Oilers ever played was the postseason of 1988. Sixteen and two, with a caveat on the fact that. Whitey Bulger took the lights out in Boston in Game Four. Just kidding. <laughs> yes, yes, correct. It was either that or the rats chewed through the wires, or the fuse got blown because of uh, you know the amount of humidity that was in the building, or maybe div- divine intervention from the hockey gods above wanted I Wayne. I'm proud to- of you, Bob. You came up with your first ever. I believe that was your first. That's my first poll. Yep. Very That's my impressive. first poll. You are, you are coming along here. Well, it's only taken 10 years on Twitter. All right, Jack, let's switch focus because we have all these conversations. And I, I know the listeners know this. We get into it once in a while over Carey Price. And I, I saw something. It might have even been at Elliott's 31 Thoughts. How fair is it to Pittsburgh, who's 15 points ahead of Montreal, if they had to play a best two out of three against arrested Carey Price and, and uh, uh, Montreal? And I, I, but that's not the question. Oh, absolutely. I'm gonna... Any chance the Eastern Conference media gets to heap more praise on Carey Price? Trust me, I noticed that it wasn't 31 thoughts, and I had a bit of a chuckle about that. I mean, look, I I think the biggest thing is whether it's Carey Price or anybody, you know, a best-of-three series is tight. I mean, that's a a tough one because in hockey, you know, like baseball, uh, you know, a pitcher and a goalie in that short of a series. 100%. Major League Baseball, it's it's the best-of-five playoffs. You got your ace going in two. You know, the other teams in deep trouble, and and so yes, absolutely. If it's a best of three, and Carey Price, or for that matter, any goalie gives you two great games, you know, you could be going home despite having a forty point advantage on a team. Ask Ian Harbors and Stan Marpolis here, right? They lost two games, three two in overtime, two one in regulation against UBC. In a best of three, where they outshot them 94 to 36, and the separation for talent between Alberta and UBC would be way greater than Pitts. With all due respect to Pittsburgh, between Pittsburgh and Montreal, right? So, uh, you know, uh, I, I did, I did get. I don't really think, that, you know. And the question I was going to ask you, Jack, about Montreal, what do you think deep down inside the Canadians organization would prefer? Would, do you think yeah, they prefer well, to be Elliot part of the playdown or the draft? Too, do they want a greater chance that? Lafreniere, or do they want to, you know, give the postseason a run? And, you know, I, I think for Montreal, you know, the answer is in a short series, yeah, you know, potentially Carey Price, just like any goalie, could steal you one. But I, I don't think that Montreal team, over the course of an extended playoff or even one best of seven series, I don't think it's going to beat a superior team. I really don't. And I don't, you know, 
again, this is where you and I probably differ, but over the course of a best-of-seven series, you know, history has shown that Carey Price, more often than not, can't get an undermanned Montreal club past the superior opponent. All right, switch in focus, uh, because we talked all week about last dance, and you are a big Jordan guy, and you've never wavered in that regard. Uh, some people were taken a little bit back, I think, on the pressure that Michael uh, Jordan uh, deployed on his teammates, Jack, in uh, in in episode seven. Don Horwood was on yesterday, and he brought up the point. This is something that Jalen Rose also brought up. Well, Jordan had to do it because that pressure wasn't coming from Phil Jackson because Phil was a more laid-back coach. You, you know, you probably know the situation as well as, you know, any of the sports media guys out there when it comes to Jordan. Were you a little bit surprised when they gave us sort of the full parameters? No. You no. were not surprised at all, eh? Not at all. Brad Sellers and Dennis Hobson were chased out of the game by Michael Jordan. They couldn't handle it. Uh, and that, those were just two of Jordan's teammates to not make it under that under that withering pressure. And really, it wasn't so much that Phil Jackson – uh, couldn't play the heavy is he just knew he had a first lieutenant. I mean, Phil Jackson, more than any coach, I think recognized early on what he had in Jordan, even as an assistant, and knew that allowing Jordan to play the heavy uh, almost made, you know, Phil in more of an assistant capacity where the players felt closer to him because he had Jordan to always play the heavy. He had a guy. To, you know, he never had to kick the bulls in the proverbial ass. He always had Jordan, and and he kind of managed Jordan's intensity, and that, of course, was detailed in the famous fight with Steve Kerr. But, no, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, you know, there were teammates of Jordan's who did not make it under his under his kind of trash talking. And, and really, you know, it goes back to a, a different time. I mean, maybe in the age of social media, uh, there might have been, you know, more pressure on, on Michael Jordan to be, quote-unquote, a nicer guy. But I, I think as he talked about in the documentary, he said, look, this is who I am. This is who I always was, and I wasn't going to change. And if you weren't going to come along with that, then you couldn't play on our team. And, you know, is that outdated? You know, I don't know. I mean, we're only talking about 20 years ago. I'm not sure we won't see another athlete who has – you know, that kind of manic intensity. Maybe we won't, but I certainly don't, you know, hold it against Michael Jordan. He did what he had to do, and it, you can't argue with the results. I mean, in the last six full seasons of his career, they won the championship every single time. Uh, all right, so somebody in the media, uh, who's a bit of a snowflake at times, suggested that Jordan's reaction when he goes cut is one of guilt. And I was like, that is not... No. That is not guilt. That is a man saying, "Look, man, you, I sacrificed." And and some people took issue with me using the word sacrifice, but he laid it all out there for his teammates to win, and they all benefited. Jack, that was not guilt. You would agree with that? No, not at all. I, you're a hundred percent right. He was getting choked up. I mean, because it was clearly something he feels passionate about. To this day, I, I don't think it was guilt at all. I think it was he was working himself into a lather as he was talking about, you know, what it meant for him to play the game and what it meant for his teammates to go along with him. And he, you know, he worked himself into an emotional pitch. It's just, 
you know, you see that all the time with athletes. Sometimes they, you know, are either so furious or so happy that, you know, that tears start to flow. And I think that's what was happening to Michael Jordan on camera. And I think, you know, that's what you saw, obviously, when they won in 96, the first championship without his dad. Uh, look, this is, this is a guy that hopefully what I like about this documentary uh, Bob, and quite frankly, it's uh, uneven at times. I mean, I love the material. It's a little uneven. I'm not sure they had to do the bouncing back and forth. Um, and there's some areas like, you know, a little back history. I mean, again, I think the reason viewers were caught by surprise is they didn't talk about the fact that he basically, you know, destroyed the mental preparedness of guys like Brad Sellers and Dennis Hobson, who are highly touted players coming out of college. Uh, I would have liked a little bit more backstory about that. But what I hope this documentary does more than anything is just give people uh, a reality check when it comes to a recency bias and and some of the comments I see about LeBron James because, to me, it ain't close. Uh, Shaq was on the other day, uh, and they said, how many points would Jordan score in today's NBA with the less physicality and the further deployment of three-point shooting, and Shaq figured he'd average 45 points per game. I, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with Shaq. I, I think playing for Phil Jackson, that's my only disagreement there. I think playing for Phil Jackson, often those games would be over, and he'd probably be taken out. I think he'd average a little bit closer to 40 a game. But it's, it's a good point because people forget in those days, especially in the latter portion of his career, the last couple of you know NBA Finals against Seattle and then the Utah Jazz, you you won games like ninety one eighty six. I mean, even right. my son asked me like, "Well, what's the deal with these scores?" And I said, "That's the game. Unfortunately, that's the game that Pat Riley brought to New York and then Miami, and you saw those Eastern Conference." you know, terrible series between Miami and the Knicks for seemingly 10 years in a row where every game was 78-77. But if you look at Jordan's last game, I believe the final was 87-86 in game six of the 98 uh, NBA finals. And Jordan had 45. I mean, he was scoring. He could score 40 and 45 in games where the Bulls scored 85 or 90 points. And that's, I think, Shaq's point in today's NBA where it's kind of back to the early 80s where everyone's scoring 115-120. That's where the 40 to 45 points a game comes in. 10 to 1 in terms of leading the league in scoring. 6 to 3 in terms of NBA championships. Michael Jordan versus LeBron. I mean, it's, it's just not even that. It's just it's one of those things. Bob, where if you live through it, and and that's always something that I'm a little bit envious of you because uh, I was, you know, from afar and and watched it and certainly enjoyed it and appreciated it, but it's always different when you're living through it, and in your case with the Oilers, the 80s, you were living here through it. I mean, it's just, it's a different experience, and that's why I think... You know, not to sound like the old guy, but when I, you know, when I get into casual sports arguments, and you know I do this all the time, Bob, and and quite frankly, you do too, and they're always, you know, in fun, although sometimes you and I really could go to head to head. Our best conversations are not on this program, unfortunately, Bob. That's why we've got to have a crew following us. 
and then and then present like a best of uncut on your show. That's what yeah, you got to do. That's a project. That won't be. That won't be. I mean, that's another reason why I like this documentary is is because it's not PG thirteen. I Jack, we got to run here. I you know I got to tell you right now. I always liked Jordan. I like him way more after seeing this. Good. I do. I'm glad. I'm, I'm like, glad. I always him. liked him, but you know what? I appreciate. Because as great as he was, he's a, I mean, what do they say about Crosby? He's the best grinder that's played, right? And Jordan grinded. And uh, you know what? He had some you-know-what in him. And it's, well, it's been Jordan, a, Jordan summed it up in the one comment, Bob, and I'm sure you've probably mentioned on your show. He said, I never asked a teammate to do something that I didn't do myself. And I think all the great ones have that in common. No one's going to outwork the best player on your team if you're a truly successful team. Jack, one-word answer. Coming from Phil, Fear the Fear Finn fan. He's a Sharks fan. Bob, who had the better GPA at the Ithaca College, Kevin Curse or Jack Michaels? It's got to be me. Gotta it's got to be you. <laughs> I was Magna. I was Magna. Curse. I, Kurz, if he got if he got honors, I'd be surprised. I love him, but I'd be surprised. All right, all I ever got was on the Dean's vacation list. Thanks, Jack. We'll talk next Friday. <laughs> See you, buddy. Have a great long weekend. You too. All right, uh, we should mention as we wrap the show up today, Brent Ridge Ford with Tasco and focused on your health and peace of mind. Right now, they're offering special discount to those battling the COVID nineteen pandemic on the front lines, including Canadian Forces personnel, first responders, professional healthcare workers, pharmacists, pharmacy techs. Find out more about how Brent Ridge is built to lend a hand by calling one eight seven seven four seven. 73673 or visit brentridge.com. Special thanks to Jack Michaels, Brent Sutter, wide-ranging conversation with him, Elliot Freeman for the River Creek Resort and Casino. We have a best of Oilers now on Monday. Brendan Escott, what do we got shaking? You're going to hear from Glenn Gullitson, that conversation from early this week. You will hear from Brent Sutter, Don Horwood as well. we got to get that back out on the airwaves. That was awesome. All right, great stuff. Uh, Mark Spector, Dylan Gunther will be a couple of our guests coming up on Tuesday. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night 7-8. Dude, I got an idea what Reed's rolling with. You betcha. Rob Brown, Oilers in-game analyst and creator of the Super 70 Sports Twitter account, Ricky Cobb. I love that guy's... Uh, Twitter uh, and that's awesome stuff. Global news from six to seven. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. More ongoing coverage of the COVID nineteen pandemic with the six thirty chat afternoons with Jayla and I. So long, everybody. Have a terrific long weekend. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty chat.